And we're doing it again. You are doing it again. All right. Mar- um, March 11th. You want to say it? March 11th. March 11th. Mark your calendars and mark my words. This is going to be an amazing event. I'm so excited because I wished for this kind of thing. Oh. For years, like from college, like from college when I realized I wanted to be an actor. The first time I got on set, I was 18 and I was like, oh, <laughs> I have so much to learn. Um, And I looked and looked and searched and searched and dreamed and wished and prayed for something like this. And I couldn't find it. Okay. I couldn't find it anywhere. The only time actors get to get in front of a camera and practice is when it matters, yeah. is when they've booked a job. They can't waste someone's time. They have to be perfect. We're bringing you on March 11th a chance to play. A chance to have material, do the material, shoot the material, but also play, also learn, also just get to understand the tech. You can look in a monitor as you move across the frame and see what it looks like. See if you're blocking anything. See what you actually should be doing. You can see it and you have the time and you have the permission and you're being encouraged to do that sort of thing. You will be working with a crew, working multicam setup, different scenes. Not only will you be watching others perform and block and really work through the technical and practical creative of a scene, but also you will be a part of that if you are an actor in this course. So very exciting. We're partnering with Frame.io again, camera to cloud technology. So you actually have take home footage for your own reel or for you to evaluate and review. This is going to be a real tubular event. Well, I, unfortunately, unfortunately, the only sad thing about it is that it's limited right now. My dream. Yeah. My dream is that one day we'll have all the space in the world and as many actors who want to come can come and we'll have the crew for that. Right now it's limited. So definitely send us an email or a DM so that we know that you want to be involved. Let's get you on that list. Yeah. It's going to be fun. See you there. Bye. I just remember as like 18 years old, reading these books, being like, oh my God, this can, this is so elaborate and technical and interesting. Yeah. And the people involved are not just like technical dorks, mm-hmm. they're artists yes. and creative storytellers. Yeah. And, and that was really- Really teaches you yeah. how to merge it all together, the creative and technical. Yeah. Hey guys. Today, we have a very exciting guest. Uh, Sean Bagley is here to tell us all kinds of things. Is actually a friend of mine yes. from a long time ago and still a friend also. <laughs> also, it just keeps getting better over the years. He's a pretty successful DP and I feel like he's been a pretty successful DP as long as I've known him. Like awesome. I remember being in college and him being like, I have this old MTV thing to do. I was just in college and he was going to go work on a real set. We kind of like ran in the same Circle. group of kids who made movies together cute. in college. Awesome. Very, It was very cute. And now you both live in LA. Yeah, it's great to have other DPs on. Sean shares his experiences of working with talent, with, with other crew and talent together and what that mix is on an amateur and seasoned level because he's worked with a variety yeah. of seasoned actors. This is Sean. Here we go. Hey, man. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Voice sounds so good on this. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. You really yeah. know what you're doing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I'm really nervous about hearing my own voice, but nice. we'll get through it. Oh, sounds really good. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. Lay it yeah. out. How do you guys know each other? What's, what's up? Uh, I know Sean from college. Wow. I was in college. He was... Kind of, kind of in college. Yeah, we weren't in the same. We weren't school, in the same college, but, but we were college age. We had some same friends who yeah. we ended up working together a lot. Yeah, and Sean ended up moving into my building that I was living in. Oh, amazing! We lived in the same building. It was happenstance. I didn't like follow you into that <laughs> building. Yeah, it just happened. But actually, uh, my cousin used to live in the unit that he moved into. Oh. The cousin who got me into that building moved out. And so then small, small my buddy world. Sean moved in. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we have, I have a lot of fond memories of that. It was my first, no, that was my second apartment, but we ended up shooting a lot of like student films there. Oh, yeah, wow. We shot a lot of stuff in, in like, like both of our unit unit. your unit. <laughs> yeah. Easy commute yeah. to work when it's like that. Yeah. You just wake up. There you go. And on down. Yeah. 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 So we've been friends ever since. So we how- worked a lot together in college age, but like not really since. Yeah. I mean, 
that was more than 10 years ago yeah, that we met. Long time and ago. we worked on a lot of like student films and short films together mm-hmm. uh, for a good like four or five years. Yeah. And then we went our separate ways for a bit. I went to LA and you moved to somewhere else. London. 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 I went yeah. to London. And uh, then Sean married my best friend Libby. I love that. Oh, yeah. also I that. love also that. Libby. <laughs> also, Libby is here in this uh, podcast in thought. Yeah, Libby's in our hearts. Yes. Right now. I thought about being like she should come, but she's probably working. Yeah, yeah. she has yeah. a very cool job. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What's her job? She's an assistant to uh, uh, the Muschietti's, Andy and Barbara Muschietti, who I have met. Yes, which is wild. That it's have like re- that oh, small yeah, of a I world. Remember. I was on the set with Checo, who shot um, their film It Too. Yep. And I did not get to see Jessica Chastain, um, <laughs> which I was pretty bummed about. Is Checo the DP at a band? Yeah. Band Pro next band week. Pro? You mm-hmm. should come to that. There's an event. Band All Pro. Right. Their holiday thing. Okay. Yeah, we'll send it to you. Um, which will be fun, but Checo will be there, and then that's like connected through Libby Everything to them. Cool. Yeah, very it's cool. all connected. Um, but uh, yeah, and so okay, your commercial and narrative. Yeah, I mean, I went to uh, grad school to study narrative cinematography, mm-hmm. and uh, after grad school, just kind of fell into commercials. That was never really my plan or oh. intent, um, but I knew. From Utah, knew a handful of commercial directors, very successful commercial directors who gave me a chance right after I graduated and just um, kind of, I kind of fell in love with the process of commercial cinematography. It's very different than, it can be very different from narrative cinematography. Mm -hmm. And it's a great place to test and practice and and, uh, try different things and work with different directors and different environments and and uh, yeah, so I mostly, for a few years after graduating, basically only did commercial work. Oh, wow. Okay. And have very slowly been crawling back into the narrative space. But you're doing a lot of narrative. Yeah. I mean, the last, uh, I did a movie uh, right before the pandemic, 2019, and then uh, I did a couple last year, a couple yeah. of movies last year. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I want to talk to you about from the very beginning. Because okay. I feel like a lot of the people we talk to are like, oh, yeah, I knew I wanted to kind of be in film. But, like, it took them until after they graduated grad school to really find what they yeah. wanted to do. But I feel like you were very deliberate in your pursuit of becoming a DP yeah. um, from an early age. Do you want to talk about how yeah. you got into things from the very beginning? Um, I mean, I feel like everybody has the same story. But at a young age you know, probably 13 or 14, uh, just really started getting into movies. My siblings and I were, I joke that we were like raised on movies because it's sort of half true, you know, like Jurassic Park and Back to the Future and everything like that was kind of our babysitter. And so really fell in love with just movies in general at a young age. And and my dad gave us his old beta camera. So fun. <laughs> and so, That's so cool. You know, we uh, made like stop motion action figure stuff from a pretty young age, just fell in love with filmmaking in general and just really pursued that through high school. We had a couple of like, I don't know, generic video production classes. And, um, and then I found this program in Salt Lake City called Spy Hop, uh, which is sort of like an after school multimedia-based school for kids like in high school age, like age 16 to 20 or something It's amazing. Like that. So and cool. How did you find that? I think if I remember, they were holding or sponsoring a little film festival, Salt Lake City oh Film Festival, God. that was for like high school age kids. Okay. Oh, amazing. So my friends and I, we submitted some terrible movie and <laughs> met the people who were in charge of spy hop who yeah. ran spy hop and they were like yeah you should check out our program and the great thing about it from what i remember is most of it is free you know you just sign up and and they're like that's incredible yeah. how do they do that it's a non-profit organization that wow. you know it's art uh, uh it's a art funded project yeah. that uh through various donors is able to survive thrive Mm -hmm. in fact so that was really formative for me at a young age to 
focus and concentrate on movies and art more specifically as opposed to like the high school classes that were relatively broad. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, the teachers aren't really going into those classes knowing exactly right. what filmmaking is. It could is. be a gym teacher that is like, yeah. oh, I guess I'll teach the video Film. production. Yeah, yeah, thing yeah. Or exactly. Or on a yeah. camcorder. Right, right. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. And they show us like Happy Gilmore or something to, yeah. <laughs> to study. But um, there was one specific instructor, Jeremy Nielsen, and I think he's a college professor now, like in Idaho or Montana or something. Um, but he loved cinematography more than any other wow. part of the filmmaking process for whatever reason. And he was a talented cinematographer in his own right. Truly because of him, uh, I learned what cinematography is, what a cinematographer does, and realized very quickly that that's the part of the filmmaking process that I liked the most. I love that. You know, as opposed to trying to do everything or trying to direct or write or I'm yeah. terrible at all those right, right, yeah. <laughs> So as soon as I kind of figured that out, it was like head down, I'm running toward this thing uh, that is cinematography and tried as much as I could uh, to get on set. You know, yeah. that's all I wanted to do was be on set and be around cameras and be around people like on the technical side. of Yeah, and that was yeah. still high school, right? Yeah, that was probably... So 16 or 17. So how were you, were you successfully getting on set? Like what were you doing to. Um, I, I found out in Utah that there is basically one grip and electric house that, Mm -hmm. you know, runs the whole town. And, Mm -hmm. and so I called up the owner. I found the owner's uh, contact info and called him. and was like, Hey, I really want to be on set. How do I be on set? (laughs) Asking questions, so, this is calling it's calling vendors so, and asking questions. No, it's, it's like find it's, your relationships. Yeah, but it's such a like thinking back. That's such a that's such boomer advice. Like you just need to call the boss I and know. demand a job. But it worked. Did you shake their hand firmly? <laughs> I mean, yes. In that, I he connect. It's so funny. He connected me with the Best Boy Electric. Okay. Because they were probably loading the truck at the time, of a. Terrible, terrible movie called National Lampoon's um, Awesomest Maximus. It was their spinoff <laughs> parody of Gladiator oh, films, basically. Oh my god! Swords and sandals, <laughs> and wild. Um, but for a teenager to even be connected, yeah, yeah. To but like that. I was, I was like, I will come work for free. Yes, I will be your intern. I just want to be around sets, and. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember uh, his name's Doug. He's a really generous man. He was the best boy. He was like, yeah, let me find out if uh, the insurance will allow it. So, yes. you know, he connected with the production and it, it eventually led to me working basically every other day for free on this movie. <laughs> and, you know, it was like an indie movie. It was probably 10 or 15 million. And I was out there in the dirt uh, wrapping cable, yep. you know, uh basically doing whatever these oh guys wanted, gosh. sweeping out the truck. With gloves or without gloves? I probably bought gloves a week into it. Right? <laughs> yeah. very quickly that I needed them. I know, yeah. And, um, of course, you know, one thing led to another, and the grips ended up hiring me for a couple days. You cool. know, they're like, uh, we feel bad you've been working. <laughs> Throw them some money, back, finally. Back yeah. breaking <laughs> free labor for weeks. And, uh, yeah, I worked a couple days, and that was like – the best thing that could you happen to me. Made it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I remember um, being on that, I quickly realized that I wanted to be in camera department. You know, camera yeah. was, you know, it's a little uh, less backbreaking labor, <laughs> which yeah, is suited for is. me. But also I just wanted to be around the camera and near, closer to the action, you know. So I schmoozed up to a couple of the camera assistants and, yeah, ended up getting a camera I think I got a camera internship next. You know, it was a it was a handful of freebies. Yeah. Before I uh got on something that paid me. Thank God you didn't have to pay rent yet. I know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think it lined up like I graduated high school and then pretty quickly after that I got like one of my first paid camera assistant jobs. Mm-hmm. So the thing that's amazing to me 
about this industry, and I think you'll find this as well, is the mentorship that you don't really have to ask for people to mentor you. Like people come out of the woodwork and they're like that guy, he went out of his way to just be like, well, insurance, get this guy. I mean, and in his head, it's like not a big thing. But for you, as your first experience on set, you're like, holy shit, holy shit. Like, (laughs) and it's just the small stuff like that, that I never really understood when I was getting into film. Like, why is that person helping me? Like, why are they asking that next question? Why are they trying to like pull the weight, even if I'm not getting it for, you know, if I'm working for free, you know, why are they going out of their way to help? And it's just such a beautiful part of our industry. And I think especially within our department. Um, And then it's just like a natural thing that you pay it back eventually too. And so I love that. I love that you have that experience as well. Yeah. I probably have four or five different people who at a young age, I didn't realize it at the time, but they were really offering an olive branch. You know, I was, I, I, uh, yeah, it was really great. It's very sweet. Like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what we talk about. Like when we talk about community and support, it's like, that's what I, I want for everyone to experience and understand. It's just, I love that so much. Yeah. Well, and then I remember, I think, uh, by the time we're all in college, you were like working pretty regular. Like, yeah. Like, oh, wow. You were an A, like you were an AC on like something MTV yeah. One time, and oh. we were like, "Oh my god!" Like yeah. she's Sean made it. That guy's <laughs> out of here. For MTV yeah. now. That's too good like, for everyone, us. Yeah. We're all just like at school yeah. in English class, being like, "Sean's <laughs> fucking on set making money today." <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. I, I I like I said, I eventually started getting onto stuff where I was getting paid and and met some. It's uh, interesting that at the time I met some local Utah commercial filmmakers and paired up with them, uh, this guy named Rick McFarlane, who, Mm -hmm. uh, is a very successful commercial, uh, director in Utah and, uh, eventually started working as a camera assistant on everything that they did. And that sustained me money wise for, you know, uh, pretty quickly out of high school mm-hmm. and then it's a small community there in salt lake city so i you know started working for one focus puller who would do a movie or i think what you're referring to is that 3d show nitro circus that was like <laughs> a huge uh chunk of uh my time as a camera assistant i mostly worked as a second i did a little bit of focus pulling but um i was pretty bad at it so but i was good at uh you know, all the responsibilities of a second carrying cases up hills. Yeah, <laughs> the backbreaking. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little piece of advice from a key grip uh, once who uh, we became pretty close and he knew that my eventual goal was to be a cinematographer. And and it's easy to it's easy to become content in the job that you have and not try to push yourself to move up into um the positions that you originally aspired for. And I remember him saying to me like, Hey, don't uh, get too comfortable. Always be learning on set. Always be asking like, what am I doing? What's the gaffer doing? Uh, Don't be afraid to talk to the DP about what they're doing. Um, And that really stuck with me at a young age because of course, at the time you get paid on one job and then you're pushing yourself to get the next paid gig because it's become your job now Mm -hmm. and you need, the money to survive. So it's, it's always really hard to have that burden, but also the drive to keep learning and keep aspiring for, you know, uh, what you eventually want to do, yeah. which in my case was become a cinematographer. So second day seeing, were you also DPing smaller things on the side? Yeah. Yeah. Like the stuff with Haley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were doing, we probably did five, six, seven short films. It was a lot of stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. That. It was yeah. a lot of stuff. There, mm-hmm. th- we had a friend group that um, has basically all moved out to LA now, but at the time we were all, there were a couple of them that were directors, a couple that were producers. There was me as a DP and a few were actors, uh, or maybe only Haley was the actor out of our friend group, but um, who somehow <laughs> ended up uh, not acting very much. Oh come on! <laughs> but we would basically rotate and do one short film, and then switch it up a little bit, and then do another short film, um, yeah. and that occupied a lot of my creative need as a cinematographer. Wow! While I was a scene, so we have you know was always juggling both. And then you had a lot of, did you use any of the stuff that we shot when you decided to go to AFI? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah Basically like all them. of it. Yeah. Yeah. That like, was all your portfolio. Yeah. Being like, look at what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we shot a ton of stuff. So I had a lot of stuff on my reel, my quote unquote reel at the time. <laughs> and, you know, some of it was, I would say, relatively sophisticated for the time and the money that we had, you know, yeah. because of my connections through a scene, I was able to get like a red camera, which for was sure. the greatest thing in the world at yeah. the time, you know, and you're like looking at the image. You're like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. And we were able to shoot you know, stuff with pretty high-end gear and my relationship at uh, that G&E house. Yeah. They basically, like, gave us, you know, like a three-ton package yeah. for a lot of these projects. So we had a lot of resources at our disposal. And, um, yeah, I I really was able to have a so semi-decent reel for, you know, a 20-year-old. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. That matters, man, yeah. honestly. Like, I know people are, like it shouldn't matter what gear you have. Like you can shoot everything like on an iPhone and it should still be amazing. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. But starting out to get more work, it needs to look good. Like, because starting out, people just want us to see how far you can push that budget and that number in order to like get something made. And if it looks good, I think it's like, you know, quality wise, I think, I think it sells. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about you as an aspiring cinematographer seeing where your limits are. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's really hard to get the images that you see in your head on an iPhone. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, I understand the, the merit behind using it as a tool to create a visual story. Like obviously that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but as an aspiring cinematographer, it, 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 it can feel restricting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To being like what you want to actually accomplish. Right. Right. AFI. Yeah. What year were you there? Uh, 2013 to 2015. Okay. Yeah. Were you going in being like, I need to learn more about lighting or camera? You had done the camera route. You'd shot a lot of stuff. Where, what was your approach? What were you trying to get out of it? I I definitely lacked in lighting compared to... Same, when I went. Yeah, yeah I had, same. I had far more experience in the camera department. Um, I had done, you know, I had shot some of my own stuff, but I had also operated a little bit before AFI. Um, so... I had a lot of experience in the camera department, which was challenging because, you know, you team up at AFI and everybody wants to use you for the skills that you already have. Yeah. So I was looking to uh, learn more and and become a better uh, gaffer or lighter. And everybody wanted to use me as a focus puller <laughs> or a course, camera operator, which, yeah. you know, it's I fine. Get it. Uh, yeah. it, it is what it is. But I, I tried to emphasize my lighting uh, experience. That's great. Or what tried to you? gain more lighting experience. Did you go for lighting? You like yeah. wanted to become a better. That's well, I so I had done so much camera at that point, yeah. and I yeah. worked for Hawk for years, so I understood lenses and what I needed out of my image that way. But lighting, I had no fuck. I didn't even know how to set up a C stand. Yeah, like, it's probably I was like, more difficult to gain that experience just kind of like out of pocket as a kid. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's just hard to get on set, especially if you're like ACing, like we both were. To be like, how am I supposed to just like practically learn yeah. lighting yeah. Um, and experiment enough that because you can't really fuck up on set too much. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had a really supportive friend group, obviously. But even then you're like, I only have this package for a day and a half. Like, you know, let's you know make the most of it. When did you guys reconnect? When did you how long were you in L.A. before she got to L.A.? When did you move out? Because Libby and I, we moved 2013 right before I started I moved school. 2018. Was it really that long? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Five years I mean, we were still friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you came out and visited, and we visited you. Yeah, yeah. I slept on their couch a lot. Yeah. Their couch that I now own. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Oh, I love that. That's so fun. (laughs) Holy shit. That was really great. Um, Okay, I want to talk about actors now. Okay. Um, You have worked on some pretty cool stuff with some pretty cool actors. You shot The Dark Divide. Yeah. Uh, with David Cross, Deborah Messing. Yeah. Um, and I want to know what kind of things you loved seeing from them. I mean, you know, um, like personally and also technically. Yeah. Um, and how that differed with from newer actors when <laughs> I was your actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in college. I think the most interesting thing and it sounds obvious saying it out loud but at the time it was pretty interesting to me is how much they are committed to the story number one Mm -hmm. you know that's first and foremost Mm -hmm. uh david was 
I mean, the script was phenomenal. It was a, a, a fantastic script uh, based on a book. David would always want to discuss the story. The intent of the scene, the intent of his character all had to push the story along. That was number one every day. Who was he discussing that with? Uh, mostly with the director, Tom Putnam, who uh, is a, a very talented, generous uh kind director who comes from a documentary background. Oh, how fun. Yeah. And this was his first, not his first narrative, but his first narrative feature in a long time. And those two were constantly discussing every single (laughs) page, every single sentence of the script, you know, to find a better way to push the story along, you know, with each scene. And I mean, it was a low budget movie, so it's not like we always had time to to discuss everything, but mm-hmm. it was really important for him, David, and the director to find the best way to push the story along. Wow. Yeah. It and was it was really, really fascinating to watch and to, you know, participate in those discussions yeah. as much as I could. You uh-huh. know? Did it yeah. change your visual language based off, like, were you prepared for the amount that they were talking on set based off of the prep that you had done? Did it change actually your visual language because things had, you know, the way they were talking? Um, yes and no. I mean, the intent visually was, and this is in part to Tom's documentary background, but the intent visually was always to have a, I don't really like the phrase, but a docu-style approach, Okay. you know, so it was a lot of handheld, a lot of natural light, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was an indie movie. It was like one and a half mil shooting for 20 days. So there's no money and there's no time. Because of that style, that visual language we set up during prep, it allowed us to carry that pretty easily over into anything that changed based on their discussions, anything that uh, came up. Yeah, yeah. So it kind of fit within that. I was listening to some other episodes just to get an idea of what you guys talk about. And you and I, Indy, we have a very similar background to our names. Oh, my God. Tell me. Sean. Okay. Sean Connery. Yes. Last Crusade. My parents named me Sean Connery or named me Sean because (laughs) of Sean Connery. Because, I don't know. I love uh, it. We were watching Last Crusade. And they almost named me Harrison. Love that. But you're named after Indiana Indiana Jones, Jones. right? I love it. Maybe every DP is just like a spawn Mm. of uh, (laughs) uh, Indiana Jones references. (laughs) Oh my God, I love that. Oh, I love little things like this. Thank you for telling me. That's so cool. (laughs) Did you grow up watching it a lot? Like your parents really loved it? Yeah. Same. Like this is your namesake. Was it the character or the actor they named? Like was it? I'm sure it was the character because... I can't think of many other Sean Connery movies that we watched as a family. Yeah. You know, maybe Hunt for the Red October, but... such a good one. I think it was definitely the character. I love it. Oh, my God, I love that. (laughs) Twins. Um, Getting back to, like, the newer versus experienced question. I mean, if you're working with a docu-style camera and and newer actors, they're going to be, like, not as in tune with where that camera's headed or, like how to work with you operating if you were operating. Yeah. Um, but um, if you could lean into the question about um, how their experience benefited that visual style versus yeah. maybe how a newer actor would have approached it. I think David specifically has so much experience with that type of camera work. You know, he comes from uh, a comedy and improvising improvisation world. Um, and so he's just a natural genius at that type of work you know it's it's both being aware of the camera but also forgetting that it's there you know um and I honestly was just trying to keep up with him because he uh it was a very physically demanding shoot we were shoot out in the wilderness oh, for wow. you know basically the whole time and he's high it's about a hiker who hikes through the pacific northwest so a lot of remote locations and um he really just leaned into that character and I was doing everything I could to keep up basically. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. How do you think a newer actor would have performed differently if in that style with that director and with you as well? I think they may have been too caught up in the, I want to say the technical side of it. You know, it's obviously really, I mean, that's the whole thesis of, yeah. This podcast, it's really, really crucial that actors learn 
uh, the technical side of things and, yeah. and gain that knowledge. But at least as a cinematographer, you always hear the phrase like learn the technical stuff. Yeah. So then you can throw it away. Yes, absolutely. You know? And I think uh, a an experienced actor, the technical stuff is just second nature for them. Yeah. You know, so somebody like David, who is so aware of the camera and what is required to improvise with that camera, he's able to uh, almost as a, a subconscious effort yeah. to work through that. That's amazing. Yeah. Must be so much fun to work with, too. Yeah. When that yeah. happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It yeah. allows you to be a little more flexible, too. Right. So that's right. awesome. What was your, um, I mean, your working relationship like? like from day to day with them was there a lot of interaction with you personally or did kind of everything go through your director yeah I mean we became pretty personal pretty quickly because a lot of it was just him and I I was operating so you know a huge chunk of it is me following him or me leading him or me keeping up with him or whatever because of the nature of the small budget and the sort of docu style It, it really was just the two of us so we had to really communicate with each other on what we were doing, what was happening next. And yeah, that was, that was really crucial. Were you having conversations about like, say you were following him, were you like letting him know that you needed a certain pace or was he like leading it? What were those conversations like? Um, yeah, that happened a lot. Okay. <laughs> Good. No, so I'm, communication was happening yes. about all he, speed and speeds and yeah. leading following and Yeah, I there's always a lot of like uh hey, could you maybe do that like 80% speed? I, I can't know. keep up I with you. I love you know, the percentages. It's, like, it's yeah. like an unspoken thing of like we're yeah. just going to communicate in percentages. Like I just like I just love it because yeah. it's like I don't know like about you but like when I up as a DP. No, when I was learning how to DP, no one was like, we talk in percentages, but it's just a natural <laughs> language that all of us pick up on. Like, hey, uh, 20%. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, who created Like anybody this? really knows what that yeah, means. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love actually, that. Yeah. I literally love that. Like, it's just a funny thing. Yeah. yeah. But that's totally accurate. Yeah. I don't know if this is the right thing, but I, I always try to give technical notes to the actor as a last resort specifically to what we were talking about earlier, like, hey, can you do that a little bit slower or whatever? Like, to me, that is interference that, um, unless it's crucial, like, hey, I actually lit on the other side of the room. Can you go stand over there or whatever? (laughs) But um, anything that could be a slight challenge for performances, I always try to avoid. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Do you feel like that's because um, they don't, know what you mean like it's it's just like too much for them to handle i i guess it probably depends on who it is you know uh as an like working with experienced actors um i want to be i don't want to be an interference with their performance of course you know the performance is number one on the priority Mm -hmm. list and uh if you're doing something that's supposed to be natural and documentary style then the less interference, the better. Yeah. And it's okay to have them be a little faster for one second and then you catch up to them. And I mean, yeah, because they get used to, I mean, I would imagine the audience gets used to that style very quickly too. Right. 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 When you've established it that way. So it's kind of like that cheat into there. That's cool. And then commercial, very different. Yeah. So working with talent in a commercial sense, are you more technical because they have to land on things. You have boards, you have, you yeah. know, clients on set that have to get lit this way and you have 20 people weighing in on decisions. What is your interaction with talent? How does it vary? I guess it just depends on what you're doing, but it can be incredibly technical and you're basically, you can be using people as props, unfortunately, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. That's, that is the tendency for commercials sometimes. So it's about them getting out of the car at the exact moment and, and stepping onto their mark at the exact moment while you're like swinging a technocrane or what, or whatever around them. And you have to do it in two seconds because it's only a 30 second spot, yeah. you know, and it can be incredibly technical and uh, sometimes you have to be really adamant about hitting the right positions for the performance or whatever. Do you go to your director first for that or do you go, or I guess you're, I know you're working with directors. You probably work with a lot. So do you establish, have you established relationships with them where they know you're just going to go to talent or do you always go to them first to be like, Hey, because I mean, they must know it, but it depends on the director. Yes. But some, 
directors I work with all the time and I just talk to the talent. Nice. <laughs> I just say, hey, you need to do this, 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 you know, and, uh, and, and it's, you know, it's not an issue. Yeah. So. Do you introduce yourself to the talent? Yeah, I, I always try days? to. I mean, I have a tendency to be, um, I don't know, socially awkward or whatever. That's why, that's why I'm a, that's why I'm a cinematographer, you know, as opposed to a director, but I always try to make an effort to introduce myself to the actors, especially if I'm operating because you're, you know, the closest to them. You're the first person they look at after, uh, cut is called. called. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty crucial to establish some kind of relationship early on. Yeah. Yeah. Should an actor, if you haven't said hello, I am Sean. Should an actor introduce themselves to you? Yeah. I mean, why not? Okay. We we should have a mutual understanding. Yes. The, I'll say the camera operator and the uh, actor. Yeah. You know, especially if it's handheld or especially if it's like an, in an intimate space. You know, it's pretty crucial. Yeah. It's like, you know, an actor, another actor in the scene. That's the camera operator, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are some of your, like your favorite things that you see from actors like coming in for commercial and for narrative i love to see it's cliche but to see a collaborative effort from the actors Mm -hmm. you know that to me that's gonna yield the best results when when you the cinematographer the actors and the director are working together to get the goal that you want you know obviously the cinematographer and the director will discuss beforehand you know the visual language what you're trying to accomplish with the story but it really is crucial to get the actor involved or on the same page early on you know uh that that's pretty crucial i think what they don't teach you in film school is as a cinematographer having early discussions with the actors about your intent nice you know how early I mean, as soon as that, if, if you do a table read together, if okay. you do rehearsals together, or maybe you're working on something that doesn't have those benefits, you don't have that luxury, I think it's crucial to be like, hey, we're doing this with static coverage. We're doing long, static, wide shots. So you have all this room to play. We're trying to build like, I don't know, an eerie sense of dread because I the love camera this. isn't moving. You know, that sort of stuff. It's yeah. so important to have those conversations. I have never had a conversation I know. like that. And that yeah. could be wildly helpful. For sure. Especially For sure. when like actors, and I don't know if you've had this, but like I've had actors be like, why aren't we getting more coverage on, on me yeah. for that? And you're yeah. like, but they don't understand that maybe the director just wants like one long take that like a moving master or something, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and if you don't give them any context, they might also be like saving that emotion for a right. close up they're not getting. And, and it, absolutely. And I'll say like, I think for me, traditionally, I felt like having those discussions with an actor, I may be stepping on the director's toes. Yeah. But I don't think that that uh, that's just not the reality of no. the filmmaking process. You know, you need to all be collaborating together yes. to for a common I goal. I love this. Yeah. So I love that. I think as early as you can have discussions with the actors and you should, and that helps build a partnership anyways. Yeah. So down the line when you're running out of time and you're on hour 12 or whatever and, and you're like, oh fuck it, we'll just go handheld. The actor might be like, hey, but that wasn't the I plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And you know you're wa- you're watching each other's backs basically. I know. You know? I love I yeah. love a world where that happens every time. That yeah. would be yeah. really ideal, especially like if you're talking about that experience versus newer conversation when it comes to like actors. I think it really would benefit newer actors because they have an idea going into the first day on set. Like this is the type of movie we're making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think directors will come from that conversation a lot of the time to actors from more of an emotional standpoint, like script and story. But the hugest part is like you as an actor are the most crucial part of executing the visual language we are working hard on building. Right. You and have to know what it's going to look like. Yeah. You have to have an understanding of what it should look like Yeah. because otherwise you're making a completely different movie. Yeah. Or just like the idea of like what coverage you're going to be getting in a scene. Like mm-hmm. just laying it out from like I think an overall idea during a table read and then on the day of understanding 
they probably already know walking on and they can see like, oh yeah, this is the dread. This is like, they're probably only, oh, they have like this track laid out. Maybe it's going to just be pushing into my close up the entire time. You know, I I love, I love How can an actor kind of open that up to be like, if if it's not someone like you who knows that they should be going in and having this conversation with an actor, how can an actor ask that question to be like, hey, visually, I would like to know what I'm collaborating with you to mm-hmm. create? Like, what's the question that kind of opens that up? I think it can be as simple as that, you know. Yeah. Any curiosity should lead to a... a, a you know, a good discussion about what the intent is. Yeah. You know, as an actor, I think it's as simple as what you're saying. Just like, hey, what's, what are we, you know, if it's a short film, what's the vibe? What are we, what are we going for? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, there should, uh, in a perfect world, there shouldn't be any like nerves or feel intimidated or whatever to have that conversation. That's just part of the process. Yeah. Hopefully it's open enough and collaborative enough. That yeah. we're giving off that vibe to an actor too, like come right. to me. What do you need? You know, right, right. And you know, if you're, uh, if you have a m- more comfortable relationship with the director, then start the conversation there. Yeah, you know? yeah. I love that. I literally I love a world where this would be a conversation every yes. time. Like it should be expected <laughs> because it is like you as an actor are like the most crucial part of executing yeah. things we're working hard on creating. Right, right. And also, if like if you know we're brought in late because a dp drops off a project and the actor's actually been there longer than we have what is the conversation that we're coming into as well and right. are we on the same page so it's important to have that that's awesome yeah and i mean if you just think about like you know the best actors in the world like you think daniel day lewis and paul thomas anderson aren't constantly talking yeah. about the visual language as part of their overall discussion yeah. steering prep and and throughout production it's got to be a constant yeah. uh, uh, discussion exactly you know and it will only benefit the movie as a whole yeah, yeah. what are you thinking like so percentage wise narrative versus commercial where are you at right now i'm probably like 70 30 at 70 well commercial. last year i did two movies and a little netflix like doc series Fun. and that was most of my year wow but this year i've only done yeah uh, commercial work what do you think commercial is is lacking compared to narrative when you're having conversations with with people on set on the creative um commercial at least in the u.s is just so highly controlled by the agencies yeah by the client and the agencies so you know, you're given as a cinematographer and as an actor, you're given boards yeah. and you, your job is to execute those boards, you know, um, dependent on the director or dependent on the agency, there can be a little bit of freedom there to create something interesting or cool. But traditionally it's just, here's the boards, yeah. go Do for these. it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it can be restraining as a cinematographer. I can't imagine how restraining it can feel as a an actor yeah especially you know. when you have a dp coming up look this techno crane's gonna come over here and you're, you're like you have two seconds to execute this move but please look natural while you Stand do it up and look surprised. Do, do not have tense <laughs> muscles in this yeah, yeah in this no, take I, like i uh i do not envy commercial actors that has got to be the hardest job in the world because you're expected to deliver and perform within such difficult constraints yeah and um it can be incredibly intimidating yeah do they teach you different things for commercial versus narrative Haley um not in traditional training okay it's all it's acting is acting in traditional training there are um commercial workshops Mm -hmm. there's one off the top of my head is uh Killian's workshop Mm -hmm. uh that is specifically for commercial how interesting yeah um they're pretty intense i've never taken one but from what i hear you cry a lot what is up with crying (laughs) in acting classes holy (laughs) shit oh my god i can't be an actor man this is they don't let you think anything except exactly what they want you to think i think Mm. especially in that situation right because you're being expected once you finish that training to be able to step onto any commercial set and execute perfectly so you can't you can't be like an you know flowy emotional actor yeah yeah i did a commercial for like cancer research or something like that and it's exactly what what you'd expect that poor actor she had to cry basically in every single shot 
mm-hmm. and super talented. Very was able to get there very quickly, but Holy I can't sh- wow, imagine. Good for her. I can't imagine it's how amazing. emotionally exhausting that yeah. would be to, especially to meet technical and that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. To be yeah. like, okay, uh, this is a one second shot here. Please yeah. cry, cry your heart yeah. out. Break down. Yeah. yeah immediately. Break down. We'll do it while you cry. Yeah. <laughs> Can you just keep crying? Keep crying? Keep, keep crying? Yeah. Yeah. A little more intense now. Yeah. No, no, no. Now can we absorb those tears back? Can we try? Yeah. Oh God. Oh my God. Yeah. The, um, so, okay. You're working in LA a lot. Um, it's probably like 60% outside of LA, 40% wow. in LA. Yeah, what are you noticing about different markets? Crew expectations of the DP? Yeah, conversations I, you're having? It depends. I mean, obviously like Toronto or London yeah. or New York or something is just as good, maybe better than LA. Okay. Uh, crew wise, talent wise. Um, as but, a Canadian, I'm so happy <laughs> you said to that. Hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I love Toronto. I I've been there a handful of times. And you know, I've never worked in Toronto. Really? I'm from there. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing crew. Yeah, I've heard. There's, there's a Panavision there. What else yeah. do you need? I know. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I called Panavision when I was 17. I was like, so you know how you called a rental house? Yeah. I like called Panavision when I was like, I was like 16 in films in like high school and because it was like the first thing that came up when I typed like camera house Toronto. Yeah. And I was like, hello, may I see your cameras? And they were like, what? what? Is this for a job? And I was like, no, I just wanted to look at them. And she's like, well, we normally don't do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, okay thanks. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I run into PV, like Toronto people at different events. And I'm like, how long have you been working there for? Like, I, were, you, were there? you the person? Were you there when I <laughs> called? Um, yeah. would, did you guys talk about this at lunch? Like this embarrassingly young woman just calling, asking to like look at a camera just out of a case. Like, can it. you open the case? Like show me the money. Like, you know, it was yeah. so weird. It was so weird. That's funny. Oh, PV Toronto. That's pretty cute. Yeah, that's amazing. I did something very similar when I was like that same age. Yeah. Drove to NAB in Vegas. Oh my God. Just so I could look at the Airy uh, D21. Just to see it. That's all wow. I wanted to yeah, do was just, just look to see at it. it. I know. I know. I know. And now it's like everyone wants to show you things and you're like, I don't want to see anything. Right, I've seen right. enough. Like, let me just like lunch just and hang with people. Eyes. Yeah. Legitimately. Yeah. Like legitimately so lay eyes on things. Yeah. yeah. And I was too afraid to touch lenses back then because I was like, I don't want to break it. Right. Um, right. Which is so funny to me. But yeah. What are you excited about right now? I'm excited about, you know, the future. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I have a couple movies that I shot last year that um, hopefully will come out soon. So We've excited. Been slowly working on post, uh, finished color on one, working on color on the other. Okay. And um, yeah, maybe they'll come out someday. I so know, we'll right? See. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I'm excited about what hopefully that will bring some more narrative opportunities, you know. So, so. you're trying to transition more into like getting that inversion so yeah i mean I, I i would love to do more movies you know that was always the goal yeah uh that was always the intent and um yeah i'm fortunate to have a career as a commercial dp at the moment you know but i'd like to do more movies i get it yeah, yeah. do any of those directors you're working with in commercial want to get into narrative as well yeah a handful of them that's great it's uh, that helps it's uh it's a ruthless a brutal environment out there <laughs> yeah I get it. it is hard to i mean it's super hard to be a commercial director so making the switch to narrative i, I can't even imagine yeah why do DPs want to shoot more narrative? I feel like that's kind of like across the board. Like you meet someone and they're like, well, I'm doing commercial. I want to do more narrative. What is the reason? Uh, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I got into it to be a storyteller, to yes. be a filmmaker, okay. you know. And uh, have more control over your image. Yeah. I mean, that's that, that comes with the uh, territory, but I want to make movies, Yeah, you know, and, uh, a cinematographer is a crucial element to making movies. Yeah. You know. And working closely for a longer amount of time with people, developing those relationships. Yeah. Having I mean, fun on set. Like Yeah, that's that's part of the process is you work with your friends, yeah. a team, to yeah. make a project together. You know, commercials can be really fun, don't get me wrong. And I work with a lot of my friends as directors, but like you're saying, it's you know, it's two, three, four days. Yeah. And 
getting to work with people to make a story together is that's the most ideal. Yeah. What, okay. Resources for newer filmmakers or newer DPs entering the market. Where, where would you send them resources? Whether it be books, articles, movies, film schools. Um, When I was just getting into it, I got, I think as a Christmas presents or something, um, a few books that, uh, were so crucial to me. New cinema. I mean, they're pretty old now, but one was called New Cinematographers. Okay. I forget the author interviewer's name, but um, it's so funny that they were considered new cinematographers at the time. But um, Darius Kanji is interviewed in there. That's and, amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. And um, he talks a lot about Seven. He talks a lot about, uh, I mean, a little bit about um, Panic Room mm-hmm. um, before he left. Uh, but he has. Each cinematographer is interviewed and they're at, they're all asked the same questions. And one of the questions is like, what's the most important tool a cinematographer can have? And everybody's like, oh, a light meter or, you know, a a viewfinder or, you know, very tangible uh, physical tools. And Darius Kanji says a good director (laughs) is the best tool a cinematographer can have. And that has stuck with me for a super long time. So Check out that book. And then there's another great book called Reflections. Oh, cool. That um, I think the ASC published it. Okay. Um, but it has very rudimentary beginner advice on cinematography, the approach to lighting. Uh, it breaks down different scenarios. Like there's a breakdown of like a Budweiser commercial, I oh, think. Fun. And lighting. Uh, lighting a glass of beer and how incredibly technical and complicated it can be. Love a good breakdown. Yeah, but I just remember as like 18 years old reading these books being like, oh my God, this this is so elaborate and technical and interesting. And the people involved are not just like technical dorks mm-hmm. they're artists and yes. creative storytellers yeah and, and that was really really teaches you yeah. how to merge it all together the creative and technical yeah yeah okay cool. some books we have to wrap up but i have one more question oh okay <laughs> go for it uh what is uh the most like helpful collaborative thing that an actor can do for a dp being vulnerable and being uh, open to a discussion with the cinematographer, I think, mm. is really crucial. And it really, it should go both ways. But the best thing an actor, at least in my experience, uh, can do is just approach the DP and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so, excited to do this. What are we doing? How can I help? How do we help each other? Yeah. You know, kind of a thing. Cool. I love that. Yeah. Well, we have to wrap things up. Sure. So happy you're here. This was fun. I love talking to DPs, man. This is great. I'm like, I'm like, I feel you. We're on the same wavelength here. Yeah. Um, just super. DPs are the best, man. We're we're cool. We're cool peeps. Where can we find you? Mm. Instagram. What's your Instagram? Website. Uh, What's your website? Yeah, probably Instagram is the best. Just just my name, Sean Bagley. S E A N. We're going to link it below. Yeah. All right. You can't avoid it. You have to sing us out. So it can be a little line. You can make it up. It can be a real song. Whatever you want. A few seconds. Okay. I'm going to be vulnerable. This one is for Libby. Okay. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She made me listen to the whole album a few weeks ago. (laughs) Karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a god. That's all I have. That was great. (laughs) Fantastic job. We love a little karma in here. That's great. Thank you so much, Sean, for for being here. Um, You'll you'll catch Sean at some of our upcoming events. Not the next one, but the next one after that, maybe. Yeah. Um, Someday. He's a part of our little community we got going on. Thanks, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Sean. Bye.